you ready? Henry, are you I'm, ready? I'm ready. I was born ready. Born ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fiendo's podcast episode, I forgot. Um, four, I think, mate. Four? I, think. I don't know. There's one in the backlog. There's two more in the backlog as well. Who knows when I'll release these in the world order. So, Is that what you're going for? <laughs> I, I think so, man. I feel okay. so bad for everyone who's recorded and I haven't released yet. But um, one day, one day. But yeah, so today's kind of a weird special episode because we have a guest of um, Extreme Note, Mr. Henry Moore, Almost Pauper Master. Please introduce yourself. Almost Pauper Master. You did um, split the finals, if I do recall. I, I did split the finals. Um, yep, that is accurate. Uh, yes, uh, Henry Moore, that's my name. Um, uh, I guess relevant to listeners, I'm pretty new to Flesh and Blood. I haven't played any real constructed um jammed a bunch of, bunch of drafts um prior to that i played many years of magic the gathering to middling success um and a few other card games uh dotted around in there as well um yeah that's that's me <laughs> love it so um how'd you hear about fab first of all uh i don't recall exactly how um it was just sort of uh, on the grapevine through social media, really. Um, and, it, you know, new card games always interest me. I, I like the puzzle of figuring out something new. Um, and so I kind of took a bit of a look. But um, as many uh, people will know, as you get older, your discretionary time seems, seems to shrink more and more. So um, I wasn't really able to commit. Uh, but Alan sent me and my mates Aaron, John and Dave some Ira decks uh, and we gave those a jam um, I didn't really enjoy myself because I didn't win a single game um, so <laughs> I probably that's probably why I put it on the shelf for a bit longer um, but then I randomly decided to listen to a podcast from Alan uh, Radio Reflex because uh, we're friends on Facebook and I wasn't on any of the fab groups at that point, so that's how I knew that that podcast existed. And it just sounded really exciting. You know, they were talking about the calling and um, their first... Uh, I don't think it was the ultimate pit fight. It was the other event where you had to um, essentially fight a car. And that sounded Be pretty fun. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, from there, I was just kind of like... Yeah, I just wanted to give it a jam. And so... Um, Played some drafts. Really, really enjoyed myself. I, I've always liked limited play in card games, um, and yeah, it was pretty exciting to to sit down and draft that game and just immediately like the possibilities just swimming around in my brain. Like it's just it's such an incredible limited game. Like the 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 skill and and the different angles in draft is like amazing, um, and I'm just really gutted that that the Welcome to Wraith season is basically over because I, I hadn't figured it all out yet. You know, I still had probably 20, 30 drafts in me, but I think I got four. <laughs> so hopefully one day we'll go back go back to WTR. Yeah, that's a right change that you didn't get to explore the format. It absolutely captivated me personally. And uh, it's cool that you got to um, dip your toe into the waters. And But it's also another shame that uh, Arcane Rising draft and sealed kind of got robbed from everybody due to... Um, you know, COVID and all that garbage. Yeah, yeah, it was a massive shame. I was, yeah, really looking forward to that pre-release. I hadn't looked forward to a pre-release for many years, so it was a, it was a nice feeling. 
and then <laughs> I kind of felt like um, I was being chased by the closure boulder. You know, like <laughs> I was trying to get to a pre-release and it uh, cancelled. Pre-release cancelled. I managed to get to one on the Sunday. You know, having intentions to play three or four that weekend. Um, and yeah, got the one in. I opened uh, my first pack was the uh, the Mechanologist Legendary, though, so that probably made up for it. Good stuff. Um, so, but yeah, and then yeah, we couldn't we couldn't play um, really, and then I just I on Thursday I managed to get my first draft in, so that was that was nice to get back into it. This um, previous Thursday, just this week, you said? yeah, just just this gone, yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Right, um, like New Zealand is pretty much um, back to normal as far as I hear. Yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, it, it's it's very normal, um, except it, yeah, a few businesses are unfortunately closing, which is a shame. But yeah, yeah, it's good to yeah, exactly, good to go out and, and draft in the flesh and blood. Um, I got I went to witness uh, a limited um, maximum velocity, which was Ooh. pretty, <laughs> which was pretty Ooh. nice. <laughs> that, that that guy won the draft. Um, that was so sick. Props to them. That's <laughs> awesome. That's an achievement. Uh, yeah, I know. I was so impressed. He dispatched me in the first round, um, which I was less impressed about. But, um, you yeah, know, good on him. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. Before we jump into this question and answer segment, um, relay us about your pauper win so people know exactly how you touted yourself as like a limited prowess, but like clearly it's all about the comments. Well, that's right. Yeah, it's all about the commons. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Pauper uh, Pauper has always been a fun format. Um, I've always really enjoyed it in, in other card games. So I was excited that the Radio Reflex guys were trying to um, champion it for uh, for Flesh and Blood. And um, it was also just a good way to play some Constructed without, uh, with basically having no collection at this point. Um, so... Yeah, I, I um, the the way they done it was they'd uh, you know all all, all commons are legal. Um, they'd done one one tournament on on tabletop simulator where they had a, a few different rules and I got dispatched thoroughly in that one. Um, so I was uh, a little bit disheartened, but um, just happy to play cards in person. So uh, the rules that they'd had for this one was all commons, um, sixty card deck. Uh, and then six equipment, so you kind of get like a mini a mini sideboard because you can swap out two of the equipment, um, and that was it. And they'd also uh, included the Ira cards, so I just thought, well, Ninja's got more cards, so I'm just going to play Ninja and hope that I have more block threes than my opponents and have all these sweet attacks. Um, and also on the online tournament, I'd, I'd been thoroughly destroyed by some Ninjas, so... Um, if you can't beat him, join him, you know? Right, you had some insight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was trying to get uh, uh, our mutual friend, Jason Chung, along to the tournament. Um, friend is a strong term. Yeah, uh, well, work acquaintance is something that you can use going soon, forward. Soon, very soon. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's always <laughs> nice. It's good to have a term like that when you don't... Anyway. Um, so, and he wasn't keen, and I kind of get it, like, you know, it's his job so he doesn't want to necessarily spend all weekend doing it but maybe he should you know maybe that's something you need to talk to him about when you uh, get there but no worries um, I'll, I'll be sure to um, let him know <laughs> yeah um, and uh, yeah he wasn't keen and uh, classic Jason a few days passed and I get a message from him he's like okay I'm going to come to this tournament 
but I'm going to give you a deck bef just before registration, and you're going to play it without seeing it before. And I was like, all right, here we go. Hard <laughs> <It's>, mode. <laughs> he's just like, well, it's, he's found a way to entertain himself. So, um, you know, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. And plus, it's almost zero cost to me because, one, the deck I've built, I have, you know, no idea whether it's going to be good anyway and two if he's built it it's either um complete trash in which case oh well my deck probably was too or it's something very very good um and he wants to show off which uh actually turned out to be the case um so because what uh the rules of the of this tournament was that it was young heroes um the theory of the deck which was uh wizard and he said, when he rocked up, he said, oh, what, you know, what hero do you think it is? And I said to him, I hope it's not Wizard. And he said, uh, well, it is, um, but unfortunately it's not very hard to play, which um, was very nice of him. Um, but uh, yeah, basically the theory is that uh, with only 20 life and with only realistically three um, of the... Uh, Harkin Barrier? Yeah, yeah, three of the arcane barrier equipment. Um, you can force through enough damage uh, that you can spend the rest of the game just blocking everything. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the deck was basically all uh, blue pitch cards that, that defended for three, and then uh, three red Voltic Bolt, three yellow Voltic Bolt, and I think um, it's uh, Rain of Embers or Scalding Embers. The Scalding Rain. Yeah, Scalding Rain, that's the one, yeah. Um, and the piece de resistance of the deck was uh, three red Demolition Crew, um, <laughs> which which was... That's spicy. Uh, it was not what I expected when I when he showed me the Wizard. But the, the, the idea is that, you know, you're trying to push through unblockable damage, that's how you're winning, and then you're blocking everything else. And so you don't have enough um, arcane damage necessarily to, to get 20 points in. So um, having the Dem Demolition Crew... Uh, can get you over the line and also just no one expects it out of the wizard so totally um, but yeah that no, was sweet um and yeah we had 14 players which was cool um and and it was a four round swiss i lost one round to ninja uh jason watched the last 30 seconds and as i decked out he said you could have won that game and, you know, I, I like to learn from my mistakes. So uh, naively I asked him how, and he said he didn't know, but he was sure I could have won the game. Yep, that um, sounds very difficult. Which, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that was nice of him. Um, yeah, that's right. And then, uh, yeah, so th there was a cut to top four. Me and Jason made the top four. Um, Anthony, another designer, uh, also got handed the deck uh, before the tournament. Uh, and me and him faced off in one of the rounds. Uh which was my first experience playing a wizard mirror, which was quite a headache. It was multiple instances where I just had no idea whose turn it was. Um, so that was uh, quote unquote fun. And I was super fun. Um, and uh, so he, he, he unfortunately couldn't make the top four as well. I think he lost another match. Um, but it was me and Jason and then two other players who were on Ira. And yeah, me and Jason didn't have to play. So, and then we both won. So that was cool. And then, um, we split the finals, uh, and that's where I actually won the tournament um, because Jason opened all rares and I opened the Rage and Legendary. So um, <laughs> it was a good day. Insult to injury, yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but 
but yeah like it, it was a um a super fun day and i think pulp is great i think um like this game it is a very hard game like when you add all the elements together and um i think that pauper is a great way to sort of introduce players a bit sort of stepping them into things like you know deck construction and choosing between the cards and it's it's very hard to build a deck because in magic you can go oh yeah well these are the best cards i'm going to play four of each of these and it's like that's great except in flesh and blood you can play nine of the best card and it's very difficult to know whether nine is the correct number and you've got a much wider scale of where the correct number could be you know in magic it's one to four and this it's zero or one to nine yeah. um and i think that uh once if you pull out you know the 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 rares the majestics and the legendaries you one you make constructed more accessible to more players because not necessarily everyone has all the cards um it's great for new players because there's a bit less complexity because you know the the, the majestics and the and the legendaries and stuff are, are where all the sort of more complex effects are so if you take those out you kind of um just shaves off a layer i think um and i think you know, those guys uh, when they organized the tournament they didn't have um they, they didn't have the 80 card limit they had the 60 card limit I, th- I think 80 cards is good because then you get to also give people an opportunity to learn how how they should be configuring their deck for each matchup um and also like young heroes is great i like i like I, the concept of young heroes is just so cool and it's I, it just seems like if you get more opportunities to use them for something like this you should um totally because they fall by the wayside once limited season's over right yeah yeah they do and um yeah it just seems a shame because it's uh, one of the things about that is like because it's you're a pauper and you're only playing with commons um uh, if you're playing against another adult hero one thematically i don't really think that makes sense because if they're the adult hero they should have access to all their sweet weapons and things right mm-hmm. um but two i think playing a game of of 40 v 40 with just commons would get pretty boring pretty quickly like all all the cards are, are reasonably homogenous they do similar things um Whereas a 20 life game, like it's quite exciting because you don't have much life to work with. Um, you're probably not going to see your whole deck. So um, yeah, it's, it's over a lot quicker. And I think that um, it keeps you excited to play more as opposed to saying, oh man, another 60 minute match of, of um, commons flailing against each other. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so I, I hope, I hope Pauper continues. I hope, um, they sort of uh, narrow in on the best, um, what would you call it? Uh, the best um, setup for, for how, you know, what heroes like use. Like rule what, set? Or... Yeah, rule set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think um, in particular, your notion of the utilization of young heroes is something that's pretty key after the fact of limited seasons. So, yeah, hopefully that does progress uh, with Pauper or whatever else um, people might invent. Yeah. Yeah, totally cool. So, would you call yourself the Reigning King, being the legendary puts you on top of uh, Jason? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll appreciate uh, that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's tough to think of anything else I could call myself, really. So, um, well, I'm going to call it right now. You're the one on this podcast, not him, right? Like, <laughs> that's true. You know, I, I'm I'm here for a reason. You know, that's, that's all you can say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
love it. Alrighty. But yeah, I think uh, I think that 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 covers it for um for pauper. Um, and you know, as we were talking before, uh, we both know that's that's why we have the listeners we do today. Exactly. Um, that's why we're doing this. That's the main reason. The yeah. <laughs> primary job. I'm just a little bit annoyed it went over 15 minutes, which is what I was guessing. But <laughs> 16. <laughs> well, you know, you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, you artificially um, added some fluff. I know it. just had some extra content in the wings you know i didn't um i just you know i want to take the moment at this point in the podcast to say that i hope people do stay with us to the end of the the content you know i think you've got some things that you know are useful to to say and i think that people should listen um i think there's some merit you know cool thanks man i really appreciate it like i would love to produce more content um based off what i would know in the future once i begin the role um, would probably impact the delivery and uh, what I'm allowed to, because like before I start the role, everything's based on speculation, right? But mm. afterwards, um, anything I say could probably be overanalyzed, and anything I don't say would also be overanalyzed. You understand? Like, yeah. So it's kind of a tricky position. It might be a reason why um, the current developers don't actually produce any content outside of the hero videos on YouTube. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I imagine it is. Yeah, it is quite difficult to uh, to to curate some content that um, dodges all the things you're not allowed to say. Um, but it's a great medium, and I think that um, it's definitely worthy of, especially you know, in in the role you're stepping into, that you've you've, you've got to be getting content out there. So, uh, and you know, only only four podcasts in your lifetime as, as a as a player. It's a bit it's a bit pitiful, mate. It is pitiful. Yeah, I'll call myself out. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was busy doing other stuff. I apologize. But uh, uh, busy so sorting through your uh, your shredded golden uh, tunics, trying to put I them back together. I spent so much time trying to put them back together. You have no idea. Did you get one? Oh, I've got a few. Not going <laughs> to. Really? <laughs> oh, Just great. wait for that to be announced. The shredded format. <laughs> the shredded format. <laughs> First, first prize uh, uh, reconstructed tunic. Totally, I, I, I do think that I'll bring the box to um, some major event, and there'll be um, like a build your own tunic corner or something like that. Yeah, you could do like a um, like a random prize draw. They've got to reach into the box of shredded <laughs> tunics, you know, and dry their tears as they do so to reach in for the prizes. Oh god, that's just despicable. <laughs> It is the best packing peanuts usage I've ever seen, though. Congratulations oh, yeah. to them for thinking of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just um, great cushioning. I think probably the the foiling in there just you know really helps protect the the, the contents. Totally, um, totally. Yeah. But all right, that's enough waffling. I think um, nearly twenty minutes. Let's uh, jump straight into it. Okay. So um, just for context behind this, like uh, I am joining the LSS team as a business development manager. And before I put my brain under lock and key based off um, proprietary information, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for the community to ask me stuff. And yeah, I'm just going to spit it all out before I kind of retire from competitive gameplay. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I've got some some uh, great questions here. Uh, so I'll just go through them one by one and we can... Uh, um we can uh, analyze each one and uh, maybe cut the spit out. Um, <laughs> no, it's staying in. <laughs> uh, good, yeah, good, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, I did notice in your previous podcast there was a lot of, oh, you'll cut this out, right? Oh, yeah, we'll cut it out. And it was like very clear there was just sort of one uh, <laughs> one continuous recording. <laughs> um, I liked how you said you needed you needed uh, the next day to edit. I was like, all right, mate. Yep, that's right. Okay. It's all a farce. You only see four episodes. Like, how often do I edit? Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's time for you to talk. I'm going to ask you some questions. So, uh, our first question comes from Kirk. Um, and Kirk would like to know, if you see one weakness in Flesh and Blood right now, what would that weakness be? Preferably, if you see a weakness in the game design, but holistically also, uh, parentheses, market penetration, community support, etc. It's quite an um, involved question there, Sasha. I Man. hope you got a good answer, because it sounds like this is your job. So Yeah, we'll just cut this one. <laughs> no this is actually a really good question um from the creative fabdb.net i think as well um what would the weakness in the game design be like the only thing that i would think right now is a depth of design space but i have no idea what's waiting in the wings like i could probably answer this question perfectly in regards to what my current thoughts and weaknesses are but I'm probably going to get everything enlightened to me come Monday. Mm. But yeah, like I'm wondering how deep the game design can actually go because like you said before, a lot of the comments are quite homogenous and uh, they're all kind of in the context of like melee, melee combat and um, like with Wizard being kind of an exception to that and Runeblade also being kind of an exception to that. But like the main weakness in regards to game design, I think is if you treat like to... Um, bring a comparison back to Magic the Gathering like you did before, each class as a color of magic. Mm. Like every time a new class is introduced, that's like a whole other color to collect and to support and to also have its own little niche that doesn't get bled over by other classes or colors in this context. So how the management of classes going forward is going to be executed, I think is going to be vital in like, overcoming this like potential weakness not necessarily is a weakness uh in regards to like market penetration community support um the game is like of superb quality obviously one of the best games i've ever played that's why i'm choosing to join the team or being able to accept the opportunity to join the team which i'm super super grateful to have but um yeah i think with all the good time market penetration will come like covid through a spanner in the works but um we'll work around that yeah yeah, it's a really good point you make about the um, the color thing because, you know, in Magic they they spend a lot of time working on what they call the color pie, right? Where they they you know these are the things that this color can do, mm. and we need to keep that color feeling that way uh, by by sort of only doing those things in certain uh, variants. And we've already got eight colors, right? So yeah, in a way, yeah. And it's like 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 you say, it's um. It seems narrow based on the first two sets of, of where or the things that you can do and then how you can augment that. Although I think they've done a really good job with the with the, the classes that exist so far. Like they each feel incredibly different, incredibly resonant with the story. Like it, it, it'll be exciting to see. I, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see the next four heroes. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're quite unique. And it's not that is the weakness, but the weakness is the potential for having too much diversity from a collector's standpoint is what I'm trying to say. Right. Like in Magic, if you're a green player, you're a green player, right? Like, yeah. Um, you just only have to collect like um, a few cards every expansion. But with Fab, depending on how future class is executed, it could be kind of interesting. Mm. Mm. 
yeah, I guess, yeah, look forward to seeing what what comes next. Totally. Okay, so next we have uh, Alex Barron, um, who has uh, ruthlessly uh, exploited the system you created and asked five questions. What a monster. I know. Um, so we'll go through each one quickly. He gets he gets truncated answers because he's he's uh, um, uh, exploited the system in such a way. So uh, <laughs> first question: Name a more powerful card than any po- energy potion. I'll wait. Oh geez, he's going to be waiting a long time. Yeah, I don't think there is a That's card more powerful than too. energy potion. Like probably crazy brew. Okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, on yes, a good day, Crazy yes, Brew. Yes, yes. But Crazy Brew doesn't even have instant activation, so it's not even that much better. Uh, yeah, Energy Potion probably is one of the most powerful cards, if not the most powerful card, I think. Energy he, Potion's got great art, well. as well. He knows me too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he says, in your opinion, which card is most underrated from each set so far? Oh, man. Uh, this is a fun question. You need to join me in on this one. Um, okay. From Welcome to Wraith, cards that are underrated, like definitely Sand Sketch Plan. Like I think Sand Sketch Plan is probably the best card in Brute. Uh, might not even be close outside of Scabskin Leathers. Mm. Um, what else is underrated in Welcome to Wraith? Um, Jonah Brutality, funnily enough, even though like <laughs> I won two callings because of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I thought that, I, I was. We were talking the other day. You know, uh, you you won that that. Uh, calling with with um, your sweet sweet is it Speedy Tornado or Speedy Hurricane? Spaghetti Tornado, but like Speedy in tornado. retrospect, the deck totally should have been called Ninja Turtle. Yeah, that's a great name. Actually, it's that's such the a biggest great name. punt of the event, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> if look, uh, maybe the next calling I'll play and I'll rename it. How about that? Feel free. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've then got to actually do well with it, so that's another whole thing. But um, I thought it was super surprising that uh, that deck specifically has just disappeared after you won an event with it you know you'd, I, you would have thought there'd be a little bit more wind in its sails but um maybe people just don't like flick flack can't believe it yeah i can't believe it either uh or so underrated card from uh arcane rising arcane yeah. rising what have you got for us come to fight like i don't think it's particularly close come to fight come to fight blocks for three blocks for three and um uh, man it's a hot card very hot card. Anything that blocks for three in generic should be um, looked at quite seriously, I think. Blocks for three and go again, right? Like, that's quite a... You pointed out to me the other day that's that's not a very um, common combination. Mm. Not many of those non-attack actions have defense, defend three and go again. Correct. So, that is another factor. Yeah. Um, great Unlimited. Man, I love that card, Unlimited. Yeah, um, absolutely. You're, you're the master. You'll have to tell me if it's good and constructive, which I guess that's what you're saying. So, um, I'll take your word for it for now. All right, what about overrated in both oh, sets? Oh, in both sets? Um, Arcane, uh, sorry, Welcome to Wraith. Like, two cards popping up to my mind straight away, which is Pommel and Last Ditch Effort. And those cards are absurdly overrated. Mm. Absurdly. I tried to play Last Ditch Effort, and I couldn't do it. I think I've just, my brain's not big enough, but couldn't do it. It just felt. I don't so think it's you, Henry. Set up. I don't think it's you. <laughs> okay, good, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> um, pummel. You're hating on the Pummel, mate. I don't think you're the almost, card's good. I, I've always lost the, the card's pummel. bad. All right. There you have it. Stop playing Pummel, team. Yeah, it's not good. Actually, that'd be great if I didn't have to play around it, to be honest. So, you've heard it here I'd first. I prefer to play around it. It's super easy to play around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
And what's the secret ranger tech you've been no, hiding from? No, we didn't from... talk about Arcane Rising. What's the most... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Look, I'm just trying to get through these questions. He's asked five, you know. He's getting so much airtime right now. It's Alex feel... Barron. He's my boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've read a card in Arcane Rising. Easily induction chamber. Easily. Ah, uh, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, people yep. think it's a menace. It's just medium. doesn't block, man. I don't like that. Yeah, there's a massive cost to having cards like that in your deck. Mm. And even when it's in play, it's very medium. But not energy potion, right? Energy no potion, oh, that's different, different class. Totally different, different class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of actually yeah. pitches. All right. Fair enough, mate. Yeah. Um, no more induction chambers. Okay. Uh, so next question. What's the secret ranger tech you've been hiding from Mani that completely breaks the class? <laughs> uh, I haven't really been hiding it. I'm not sure if Mani's been paying attention, but um, three of a kind and Tome of Fiendal are kind of busted when they go hand in hand. Like the tech is you build a defensive ranger deck where you block out and you pretty much build the bottom portion of your deck to be uh, about this like 18 card um, limit. And the objective is you stayed pretty high entire game, never attacking. And then you enter this state where you play three of a kind from hand and then flip um, Tome of Fiendal from the Arsenal using an energy potion three turns in a row. And you're choosing not to block every single turn, and you're using the life gain from Tome to mitigate the damage you uh, take. So the first time, you'll gain 7 life. The second time, you'll gain 9 life. The third time, you'll gain 11 life. And then you can remember it to do it all over again. And you end up with a hand of like 18 plus cards, and then you just one-shot them. It's so sick. (laughs) It's it's not obvious as well that that, that's something you can do, because I, I mean, this is coming from someone who, you know, hasn't played any constructed like it always feels like i want to be playing all my cards every turn right mm, and mm. so at the end of the turn i'm just drawing up to four and that's as far as i've thought about the the, the hand size and, and and the that part of the game but actually yeah like if you draw above the hand maximum you just don't draw but you can keep going higher and higher it's just that there hasn't really been any cards that let you do that um right but exactly. yeah, that combination that's spicy oh Drawing so many cards. It's really fun to play good. and really fun to witness whenever you get the kill con off. Really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I hope I hope I hope Marnie uh champions that and shows us some eighteen card combos. That'd be great. More power to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then we've got the last question here, which um is repeated by a few people. Um What deck would you bring to Worlds if it were tomorrow? If Worlds was tomorrow. And assuming the incentive to win is very, very, very high, yes. I would probably <laughs> play Runeblade Aggro. Runeblade Aggro? Yeah. All right. You're going to have to elaborate on that one for us a little bit. So my primary reason is that it's a deck that I've held pretty close to the chest, and I'm kind of like that it's nowhere near in the meta at the moment. Like, mm. the only Runeblade decks are kind of like the meme let's um, chuck 50 rune chance at you type thing. And... um. The biggest advantage is kind of what I had at um, Auckland as well, is that people do not know how to play against it. And it has a preconceived uh, concept, well, yeah, a preconceived um, notion that it is going to be a very defensive um, build this rune um, chant archetype. So people yeah. might not have defense reactions against me, which is like premium and all these other stuff. But uh, yeah, Runeblade is actually a terrific aggressive class. Like the prime example, uh, let's say Scar for Scar in every other class takes. Um, at least one card to block, whether it's a card that blocks with three in equipment or it's one defense reaction, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in Runeblade, a similar type effect. Um, it takes um, up to three cards to block. One for the rune, um, and like one plus the extra for the Scar for Scar. And if I'm not expecting them to have defense reactions, the Scar for Scar type effect is going to be premium. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, it it's a good it's a good point about the the function of this game is that it's you know it's the best of one, and you've got one opportunity to to configure your deck correctly. And if you can, it's just still still so sick to me that you can take a class of like Ninja, which is you know ostensibly the, probably one of the most if not the most aggressive class in the game and you're like well here's all my defense reactions and all of <laughs> yours do nothing yep <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah it's uh it's super cool i'd like to see that yeah in more in more classes because it's um yeah it's exciting uh all right alex you've had your time mate so we'll move on that is also the end of his questions but um <laughs> he's been cut off um so we've got tom penny and tom penny asks he asks, what hero do you predict to perform the best at Nationals this year? So it's a little bit of a different question, but similar vein. What, what do you, if Nationals was, well, actually he just says, perform the best. Come Nationals, what do you, yeah, what, what hero do you predict will perform the best? If by perform the best, you mean win or in general in the metagame? I think in general. Let's go. Okay. Okay. You want to see what you think will win Nationals? Both. Both. Okay. Um, in general, I think um, Warrior is going to be the most popular and the best. Mainly because it's um, very difficult to play against. Like, I think people don't really know how to block against Warrior yet. And it's kind of an interesting thing to observe. And it's, if you don't know how to block against Warrior properly, then you can get punished very easily. Um, the deck that I think is going to win or have the best chance of winning is probably Brute. Because Brute is the class that's best against good players, and I assume that the Nationals field is going to be comprised mainly of good players. Why do you, why do you say it's the best against good players? Is that because of Intimidate? The fact that you can just remove options? Yeah, so Intimidate, um, the value of Intimidate uh, varies depending on what type of player you're playing against. Against a, a player that's not very experienced, uh, Intimidate is not very valuable because their options aren't very likely to be utilized as well as someone who is experienced. So removing options from an experienced player is much more impactful than removing options from an inexperienced player, especially when you're being aggressive. Mm. All right. Oh, we've got... Uh, there's a late response. Oh, Ooh, they're, they're coming in like hotcakes. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Uh, all right, so we've got Jay Scott. Jay Scott would like to know... What are your current thoughts on the rather high price of competitive cards on the secondary market and how it affects players picking up the game for the first time? Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. I'm not exactly sure on how related it is to supply and demand, whether stores are able to get enough stock or if players are buying too much stock and some people are missing out or if it's a factor based off the drop rates and the drop rates for Fab are quite high in comparison to like Magic or anything like that. But um, I don't think I have enough insight to actually answer this confidently. If I had to guess, I would say that it's because there's not enough um, cards available and people want to hold on to their um, valuable cards. So they want to sell them at a premium. Yeah. Especially Welcome to Wraith, I feel, right? Being the first set... Um... Even it's, if you don't want to use it, yeah, you're totally right. You want to sit on it because you know it's um the half print. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and it's just and I remember I think um there was an article from James saying that 
the um the arcane rising product opening opened on the first weekend eclipsed all of the product opened in total for welcome to race which is pretty crazy so yeah those open more welcome to race packs maybe that's maybe that's the answer <laughs> okay ash would like to know what uh, so he says i'd really like to know the process you go through when deck building what questions you ask yourself and how do you make the deck to have an edge against all other classes do you limit your core deck to like 30 to 40 and the rest is to support the deck strategy and defend against other classes Oof. man that, that one's a loaded question <laughs> okay um so i can approach deck building one of two ways Either I'm trying to do something degenerate and that's when I would try to build a 30 to 40 core and then like try to survive against the rest. Like that Ranger deck I mentioned earlier, it's trying to do something very specific every single game and try to survive and um, defeat the other classes. Um, the Spaghetti Tornado deck would um, fall in the same category. Like I know what my endgame scenario is um, desired to be, which is the three drones and like uh, any like zero cost blue or yellow. So that is one way. And then you work backwards. You're like, how do I survive longer than everything else? Blah, 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 blah. But typically when I try to build a new deck, I try to build the most powerful version that deck can be based on a strategy or a synergy or something like that. Like, for example, if I want to build a new ranger deck, like I know I need the most powerful arrows. What synergizes with arrows? Cards like nimbleism, uh, come to fight, um, foresight, stuff like that. Plunder run. And then you kind of build on from that. And then if you feel like you have a lot of redundancy, then you could add some edge cases. Well, it's like, oh, I've got too many um, pump effects. I'm going to cut some uh, come to fight or plant run or whatever and put some arena's prayer, for example, if you're scared against wizard. But then you'll play the deck and realize, oh, my wizard deck's kind of, um, well, my wizard matchup's kind of good anyway. I can cut this back. So it's all a learning process, really. And that's kind of the fun. If anything, it's the most fun for me. Yeah, I think that you touched on a really cool cool point about Flesh and Blood in general is that because the game, well, partly because the game is so new, but also partly because of the, I would say that the the exponential difficulty of, of deck building. I think it's reasonably easy to build a ranger deck, but it's very hard to build the best ranger deck because there's so many options. And I think that the, the idea of continuous improvement of a deck is so cool and something that gets lost when there's games with so much content and so many games being played that the meta games get solved so quickly it really feels like an rpg right like you're growing with your character which is your deck and your yeah. hero and um, yeah. you're learning new things and you're acting in different ways it's really cool and it's supported so well by the by the law you know and the, the young heroes and the adult heroes it's just um yeah very cool in that way absolutely all right so next we have john john says if you're now retired Who's the new goat? Who was the first goat? Well, I, I guess by inference he means he means you. So if we take that absolutely premise, not, absolutely if we take not. that premise, um, um, all right. Well, <laughs> like who's next highest in Elo? Then, if that's what you want your definition to be, well, I'm like, Hayden Dale. There you go. Oh come on, that's 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 a cop out answer. I want. Uh, Okay. <laughs> well, we want a real answer. What's the what's the in depth answer? Who's the who's the who's the greatest of all time? Who asked the most questions in the survey? Probably Alex Barron, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, we're in trouble for the next twenty questions, ladies and gentlemen. If that's the if that's the answer, absolutely. We can. All right, it's too it's too early to tell. Let's to be on. honest, like there is no all time, right? 
It's too early to tell. Yeah, you're right. It, it is. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Stephen Young. Stephen Young would like to know what is the minimum size of brain required to play Kano at a high level? Uh, whatever Jason's Chung brain weighs. Oh, yeah. Yep, whatever. Let's get on that. Let's, whatever um, that is. <laughs> let's get a measurement going. Yeah. Put that in the show notes. We'll get, we'll put that, um, we'll get his measurements in. Uh, totally. But uh, on a serious note, um, Kano um, has a lot of diminishing turns once you get to a certain point on learning the deck. I don't think there's much value in memorizing the pitch order. Um, yeah, you're going to find that the gameplay scenario is quite dynamic that it doesn't even um, matter because your opponent can just take a turn off from attacking and then you're completely screwed um, based off how your your kind of like the term like to use it, like your pivot of um, where your deck is going to be in X amount of turns. But yeah, the you can still play turn to turn, just draw your four cards and play out and you'll still be relatively successful with Kano. Mm. Well, this is a good. We got a good follow-up question from Josh Woods, which is, "What is your current take on the best build for Wizard?" Um, Potion of Strength Wizard, easily the best build. Potion of Strength Wizard, easily. Are you sure? Kano's you meant right? to um, throw down. It's meant to throw punches. There's a one-two. <laughs> yeah, he, he does look. If it's anything I know, he loves to look good demolition crew. So I'm on board. Um, All right, we got but, we got to buy everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, mate. I think you're going to elaborate a little bit more on um, Potion of Strength Wizard. Yeah, um, the reason Potion of Strength Wizard is so good is because of this card called Moonwish. Uh, Moonwish hitting for 7 is insanely better than Moonwish hitting for 6 or for 5. Um, because it effectively threatens 3 cards from your opponent. If you're unfortunate enough to be paired against an opponent that has Battleborn, then it's only 2 cards. But you can run Goliath Gauntlet to like be like the fourth potion of strength as well. The reason it's insane is because if people are typically playing Arcane Barrier against your wizard, then you get to strip them of three cards and then you have a window to actually burn them at instant speed, which is like insanely valuable. Mm. And, and if it does hit, then like you're cheering, you're going to the bank. Yeah. Like which yeah, is yeah. a must block. It's incredible that the the value you get from being able to put a card on top to know your top card. And then it's just, yeah, the tricks you can do with, with, um, with Kano and, and, and that is uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, let alone if um, the Moonwish has go again preemptively, whether from a Quicken Token or for a Time Snap as well. Oof. Quicken Token and Wizard, look out now for Now we're it. talking. Now we're talking. All right, you have your answer, uh, Josh Woods. So uh, get those cold for Goliath Gauntlets. Um, next we have Hayden Dale. Who um I is that guy? Have, yeah, um I've heard the name uh uh but um that's about it. Uh what card do you think <laughs> is most incorrectly utilized right now in the constructed format? Incorrectly utilized. Alright, Hayden. He's real he's flexing with these questions, isn't he? <laughs> There's a lot of flex, is the world number one now. Um oh. probably Command and Conquer. I see it um thrown into decks willy-nilly we've had actually a plan on how to use it like no way to buff it no way to actually have go again before it so it actually pushes through to hit the arsenal yeah it's probably command and conquer the card's absurdly good people are just uh, using it to its fullest effect i think come back to this the point about go again again I, so like if you... i just attack with a command and conquer raw just for six and i have no way to pump it 
then um, it's very easy to block, right? Yeah. 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 But if I have like um, a go again attack before it, or two go again attacks before it, then I've already blocked like too much right. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. And he he's all, he also asks, how do you approach the theory of assessing the value of a card in any given deck? That's very cool. Uh, effectively, if the given card is added as um, a greater sum of its parts, for example. On its own, Whelming Gust Wave is a trash card, but in the context of a deck with um, Surging Strike, McGentry release and stuff, then it's obviously really, really good. Um, that's like a very vanilla, like baseline answer, but if you just use that metric, um, that, that'll probably be uh, enough to evaluate a card in a deck. Like chucking a random defense reaction doesn't make a lot of sense if um, it doesn't add enough value to your deck. For example, if you're a deck that is all cards with go again and you have a random defense reaction, that could stop you from um, filling out a, a big attack on some turns, and that's not what your deck wants to do if your opponent is blocking the majority of the time. Mm. Defense reaction is overrated, by the way. Oof. Strong call, but yeah, I think you might be right. I think uh, yeah, the, the developers give us lots of clues, right? <laughs> it's you know, you need to have this card after you've after you've attacked with this card. Okay, all right. I'll put those on my deck. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's literally written on the card. <laughs> yeah, and like dash as well. You know, it would be good if you also had more dash cards in your deck when you played these dash cards. <laughs> so, um, we need more clues. We haven't got it yet. Well, I haven't got it yet. Um, okay. Next we have Jack Glavin, and Jack asks, "What's the best deck in the format, and how do you play it efficiently?" Um. The best deck in the format is Potion Strength Kano. Mm-hmm. And you play it efficiently by understanding when you should be blocking and when you should be trying to go for the kill. Oh, yes. There you have it, Jack. Uh, we have someone asking next who is definitely not Brewer. Oh, thank uh, goodness I would not want Brewer to be here. Yeah. Uh, and he's asked, when are you going to buy me coffee? Now, this is a strange question because, firstly, this person hasn't identified themselves. All they've said is that they're not brewer. Um, and secondly, I'm not sure what um, buying a coffee has to do with flesh and blood. But look, uh, let's hear your answer and we'll go from there. Why did you curate this question? That's my first question in response to this. It's <laughs> Mate, this is, your, this is your Google Forms. I'm just the, I'm just the question asker. Well, in, not of independent of any thought and just reads from there. <laughs> um, as soon as I get to New Zealand, I'll buy you um, coffee, Jason. Easy. Nice, 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 nice. Okay. Uh, we now have a question from uh, uh, world number one pauper player, Henry Moore. Um, Skip. Skip. That's a great, I think it's a great question. Just let's hear it out. Let's hear him out, you know. It's the most convoluted um, question. <laughs> <laughs> okay henry moore would like to know uh what skill or skills do you think are essential to flesh and blood professional play that players don't know or find hard to identify or learn i find it funny how you read every other question verbatim except your own well yeah okay, okay. <laughs> you've called me out this is, this is uh, i i have no answer for you look um just answer the question mate what X what you, skills, uh, where X is a reasonable number you can come up with, do you, you think are essential to flesh look, and blood I was trying to be play? funny, all right, when I asked the questions. I was being funny. Um, 
longevity um flesh and blood um calling events are long like um i felt very dehydrated and very um exhausted by the end of them probably because i picked stupid drone of brutality decks to play <laughs> but um it's um fab is this game where there are multiple um opportunities of temptation uh, throughout the gameplay and not falling victim to those i think is pretty critical as in like timing is everything you're not forced to um trade blows and um, attack 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 every turn and just like chip each other out you can feel more than comfortable blocking out three four turns in a row and even if you leak a little bit of damage that's a cost to pay farm for letting them use their good cards against your um, mediocre or subpar cards so probably patience inside the game is probably one of the best skills to have yeah i i I definitely have found that you know in, in playing my limited games it always feels like you're not playing you're not doing well if you're not you know using all your cards every turn and and, and trying to do the the, mo- the biggest attack you can do and i, I specifically remember a draft just just uh oh, sorry a draft a, a match from the draft where i was playing a runeblade mirror and my opponent spent two different turns where all they did was uh, play a blue a blue read the runes for a rune chant and i was like what is this man up to he's he's made a rune chant and I'm doing all these big attacks, you know, I've got this game in the bag. And then it came down to the end of the game, and I was like, where are all my cards? Like, I'm, I'm running low on cards, I haven't killed this guy yet. And it just, it made it kind of, brought it, made it a bit clearer to me that, like, that's, it's so, it's so, like, important, but also very, very difficult to, to try and hold yourself back from just trying to do all the things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You will run out of cards very easily. Yeah, I did run out of cards. Um, let's not dwell on it any further. Um, <laughs> next, we have B Money. B Money. Uh, B Money. B Money asks, "Who's your best friend, and why is it Brendan Patrick?" Um, so my best friend is probably Brendan Patrick, and why okay, yeah. is it Brendan Patrick? Um, Probably because he's been one of the best testing partners I've had to play with in a long, long time. And uh, we bonded instantly when uh, we met in Texas for the Austin calling. And yeah, we've been pretty much playing Fab every day ever since. Nice. I reread your article about that calling recently, and I, I felt bad for, for old Brendan Patrick. I felt know? bad when we got paired. I felt so he, bad. He traveled so far. He spent so many hours like either in your company or, or listening to you speak. Only to be binned in round four of the tournament in, in the mirror match. It's just man, he deserved to actually win that event. His only loss was uh, to me, I think, and um, mm. the other ninja who dispatched us both. Okay. Next we have Jay Ren, and Jay Ren asks, "I'm curious about putting Chains of Eminence into my warrior deck to replace Flock of the Feather. I want to ask some of your thoughts about this arc aura. Do you think it can prevent opponents from?" Overblocking Dawnblade. Okay, that's cool. Um, Chains of Eminence is one of my favorite cards from Arcane Rising. Um, in regards to replacing Flock of the Featherwalker, the big difference is is that Flock is uh, attributed to the selection of cards which you can play turn one without a deficit because you get to set up um, the Quicken token. Whereas a Chains on turn one is much more lackluster. Chains is much more of an end game card, where Flock is like an early game to mid game card. So they kind of play different roles. Uh, in regards to preventing opponents from overblocking Dawnblade, um, you must 
probably be playing against some very, very well-tuned opponents if they know how to get block against Stormblade um, effectively. Um, maybe the fault is you're not playing enough attack reactions and your Dawnblade is quite transparent. But um, yeah, that's all I have to really say. Chains is much better against late game decks. Cool. Okay, next we have Jack S who asks, have you had the chance to play the devs before? And if so, what formats and how did you fare? Um, I played a few games. I played against Jason Chung in a sealed event when there was the Calling Sydney. Uh, he dispatched me quite easily. Um, I played against James, the CEO. He's not a developer, but um, I think we're one apiece in sealed events as well, um, just before the two United States callings. And I've played against Chris once and he dispatched me very easily. Very, very easily. Well, you're going to have to get some of your own back, mate. Sounds like, um, what's that, 1-3? 1-3, I think, yeah. No good. No good at all. I need redemption. Oh, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm sure you have plenty of opportunity to, to redeem yourself. Okay, uh, Kale McCreeth. Kale McCreeth says... Who's that guy? Uh, Bravo himself. Uh, Bravo himself, <laughs> yeah. He's actually in the art, yeah. Um... Apart from having to stop playing competitive events, do you have any regrets in terms of Fish and Blood over the last six months? And also, how would you improve Guardian moving forward? <laughs> um, I don't think I have any regrets. Like, every decision I've made has led me to where I am. So it's like kind of hard to change anything. Like, there are definitely games that have haunted me of like, oh, why did I block like this? Or why didn't I think of this line and stuff? But I think it's kind of natural in like the whole learning process. And without those, um, you can get kind of um, cocky, arrogant, and kind of complacent with your skill level, which I don't think anybody ever wants to hit like this artificial plateau. Um, in regards to improving Guardian, play Comptifight, play Blue Slogism. I'm sick of you not playing those cards. Just, <laughs> just, just play them. They're so bloody good. What cards should Kale cut? Anything. Let's, let's, you could probably cut any. six random cards. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Poor Kale. All right. Uh, Rain would like to know, what do you think is the next meta-winning hero for the upcoming Nationals and why? So Meta-winning kind of... would be Warrior. Warrior probably dominates the meta, but um, I think Brute would be the best. Cool. All right. Jack McGee, do you have any secret tips and tricks for Brute? underrepresented cards or playstyle advice yeah yeah sand sketch plan is like absurd it's like the only way to get go again that's risk three outside um because of uh scavenging levers and i don't really approve of playing flock of the feather walkers or time snap potion um playstyle wise um be prepared to block a lot uh, and set up big turns with energy potion also play energy potion nice yeah sand sketch plans i I think I opened that in, one of, in my first draft and I was like, what a card. That is cool. I've tutored oh, for removable yeah. quite a lot of times and just arsenaled it. And, like, not even a joke. Like, against appropriate matchups, sometimes you just tutor for the flex card and set up next time. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Uh, Yazi, will I ever get the chance to verse you again? And then in brackets, Sag. Absolutely. Like, um, I'll definitely um, plan to go to like any premiere events and maybe gunsling on the side, like beat em up car type things, or even actual decks. Who knows? But yeah, absolutely. I definitely don't plan on stop playing. 
I just know that I'll be playing um, premier level events. Nice. Okay, we've I'm got Yazi, by the Alex. Way. Uh, we've got Alex Truell who says, "How do you trim your deck down, or do you advocate for full eighty card builds?" It's an interesting one. By trim my deck down, I think he's referring to in between games or certain matchups. Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah, I like to bring or build a deck that's a cohesive eighty cards because. This isn't like um, Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or anything where you need consistency. You can delay the inevitable by blocking this game. So I kind of just want a cohesive deck. And then depending on the matchup, I'll just take out bad cards. Mm. And there are obviously outliers in like um, control decks or combo decks where you have like, here is my physical package and here is my arcane package or whatever. Yeah. I found that in limited as well. Like I, I, I actively want to play more than thirty cards if I can, because it just it, it is such an advantage to be able to have a few extra blocks up your sleeve. You know, you can spend a turn with you know bidding your whole hand, so long as you've got the cards left over in your deck to actually finish the game out. Totally, I think like you just play every block three in limited, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard to like. That's another thing about draft. It's very hard to to get even 30 cards that you actively want to play. Yeah, which is why like, it's, um, totally. You so could play the full 45 and just have a bunch of block twos or whatever, but um, that comes at a different cost. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Stephen Young. As a casual player of card games, I often feel like a second-class citizen. Oof. Although I enjoy Fab, I feel so pressured to have to buy legendary cards that I can't afford. How do you think Fab should evolve in order to engage and sustain more casual players like myself? Well, he's absolutely put you on the spot here, uh, Sasha. And again, um, sounds like this will be a question you might get asked in your role. So uh, what have you got? Yeah, this is kind of a loaded question. I'm not exactly sure how I can answer this within like a one to two minute period. I feel like I would probably need an essay. Like the most important factor of this question, I think, is Stephen's mention of pressure. Like what are the motivations behind that pressure? That's something I really want to understand. Like, um, I can see how, like, it can be barring to purchase something like a Fiendle Spring Tunic, which is currently very high on the secondary market. But whether the impacts of that are on a casual player or not, because clearly everybody wants to play with the most fun cards or the most powerful cards. But there's this, like, dueling dichotomy of things that should be desirable and should be valuable, but at to what extent? I actually think that... Because we have such a small collection of cards available to us, that the demand for those cards is actually quite high, which is why it might make it difficult to acquire these um, chase cards. But once uh, more legendaries are printed over time, or other cards that are desirable, then people will probably be more willing to trade them around rather than hold on to them now at the beginning. Cool. Next we have Toby, and Toby's uh, thank you for doing this, which um, yeah, he's left me out, but that's okay. Um, I guess uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, maybe it's the, the royal you. Um, so uh, thank you for doing this. As a newbie, what fundamentals beyond the basics would you say are key to becoming more competitive? Fundamentals beyond the basics. So gaining as much as possible, right? So whether it is playing 
an obscure deck for a class that's represented to be a certain archetype, like I'm um, playing a control ninja when everyone thinks it's aggro, or playing an aggro room blade when everyone thinks it's a combo, um, something like that. Um, any way that you can gain edge within the game, I think is quite critical because it is best of one, like I um, mentioned before, Henry. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Toby also says good luck with the latest venture at LSS, which nobody else did. So, um, maybe oh, thank Toby you, Toby. The You're goat. the new goat. He's the new goat. Absolutely. Okay. And we, now, now we've got, I haven't read this one yet. This is the, the, the latest entry, um, and it's from none other than Chris Buley. Okay. And Chris Buley has asked if you could recruit three gamers to Flesh and Blood, who would they be and why? I think uh, Chris is meaning LSS. Like um, to work on analysis? Is that what you yep. interpret this uh, question? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that's what he means. Yeah, man, um, three gamers. That's hard. Like, if the if the role is to just um, probably like increase development or help out with that. If the first ones are easy. It's not Brewer. That one's quite easy. <laughs> um, and yeah. Like it would be interesting getting a player of not a spike sense, but I'm not exactly sure what a non-spike brings to the table development because, like, I don't know what the development process is, right? So, like, mm. I would not be sure who'd be valuable. But I think people that would be like adding like a, a friendship value to the team. I'm just gonna cut this answer. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough one, right? You've been put on the spot a little bit. Absolutely. There are so many people I want to play um, Flesh and Blood with every day, but um, I'm not exactly sure who would bring the most value. Yeah, it's tough. I think um, the the interesting thing about um, for development, like if someone wins a a calling like you did, you know, um, it shows a certain amount of high-level understanding of the game or in-depth understanding of the game, which while on its own doesn't necessarily make you a good developer, it's a good baseline, right? So, um, and look, you you won one, and now you work for there. So, look, I, I'm right. Uh, there you go. I'm not I've hired as a developer. I'm sorry, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I've won a pauper tournament. You know, that's, you split a pauper tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I want. Uh, yeah. Okay. I probably wouldn't have been beat Jason. Let's be honest. You never. Um, no, I did. I did beat Jason. I got the legendary. Correct. That's uh, I'm yeah I'm taking that one I'm taking that one okay well that's that's all the official questions we have um I thought that uh you know we, we had some questions about brute and we had some questions about wizard what about the other classes we haven't had you know much love for some of the other classes like I'd like to hear what you think about you know the ones we haven't mentioned and, and what you think is some unexplored territory like what totally. kind of decks. Uh, um, rattle them off in the order of your preference, Henry, or whatever you want to ask. It um, more than happy to answer. Okay. Well, let's start with um, Guardian. Guardian's an interesting one to me because I think the only thing that people are really doing with it is you know the the, the fatigue control deck. So, mm. is that is that all Guardian does? Is does Guardian do some other cool stuff? Like, what do you think? No, yeah, totally. Um, I would suggest try putting Guardian without caring about three cost matters. Try doing yeah. that. It can be quite aggressive. Cool. Um, okay, what about Dash? Dash aggro is absurdly better than the Dash control deck. Like, absurdly better. Mm. And it's absurdly 
it will but like very easy to build as well like you just chuck in all the mechanologist cards pretty much like the synergy of uh convection amplifier and cognition nodes is quite powerful you have a recurring yeah. engine of a powerful threat mm. like if you want to know what the powerful threat is just ask otherwise um i think it'll be fun if people try to figure it out oh you put it on me um uh what's the what's the powerful threat it's um it's a card in arcane rising oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right mate um we'll leave it at that let's let's leave some mystery you know we, we, we don't want to um give them everything uh what about we've done we've kind of touched on Viserai and azalea and brute actually and i guess we have covered um all the heroes to some extent is there anything that um that that you want to say about a flesh and blood strategy that that we haven't covered that you think uh the community would like to hear well, everyone's got varying experiences, right? So whatever I say here is going to have different value for different people. But I think the most important thing in understanding the basics or fundamentals or whatever you want to call it is the concept of the value of a card in regards to other cards. Like you can see as a card, like how they block, like a block two or a block three, right? And a block two um, is like undervalued, like when you're defending because people kind of throw cards at each other. They're not used to the premise of blocking with four cards and being happy about it. And that's mm. the thing. Like, you should definitely try to see the mind state of being happy about blocking four cards. You're trading your four mediocre cards for four of their best cards and taking two damage. Like, it's not a bad thing. Um, and sometimes it's a good thing because you could also track their pitch order and then see when they've got block twos coming up, but that's kind of high level. But yeah, like it, it's hard for me to um, eloquate this. It's just something that I've kind of learned. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I have a question about... for you then, Henry. What okay. did you find the most valuable out of this little session, or what are your hopes for the future of Fab? Um, the most valuable, I think, is definitely um, even just the idea of, of, of Azalea, an Azalea deck that uh, doesn't block for three turns in a row and draws 18 cards. I think that, um, you know, having not really played any constructed, but having seen the, the things that people are playing, it's, um, it can be easy to pigeonhole a class, I think. And um, just, just it, it's good for for, for me. I, I find it valuable to think about classes a bit more, uh, a bit wider, and um, especially the Azalea one is the example I bring up because of, I didn't realize that you could overdraw and not have to discard or anything like that. I just didn't, I mean that's just the rule. I didn't know, but um, also just I, I think um, I hadn't got to the point where I thought that playing defense reactions could be actively bad for your strategy. You know, they just seem like such good value. You know, it costs nothing, and you block for four. Like, surely that's great. You know, and but then I've I've seen, you know, I watched um, I watched a couple of matches that you played in one of the leagues where you were playing ninja with no defense reactions. I was like, actually, you know, like this makes a lot of sense because all your cards synergize so well. Um, 
and it just seems like the deck functions as the deck should function better because there's this there's no hands where it's like ah well i've got two defense reactions in this hand so i guess i'm blocking with these and then doing something with this um yeah maybe you could uh i guess you've already touched on that really yeah but, no forced uh, backseat turns which is a big deal right like when yeah. your deck's trying to be aggressive and you randomly have a window to go for the throat and you draw a hand that's like takes the back seat and then ultimately sets up the next two turns to take a back seat because now you're in a defensive stance and you can't really choose how to block. You're kind of forced to block. Um, and if your opponent doesn't pressure you, then you still got two defensive reactions stuck in hand and it's really awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like um, no backseat hands. And also uh, a major factor in that ninja deck is um, Art of War and the density of um, attack actions. Yeah, Art of War is um, yeah, it's a really cool card. I I guess when I say I haven't played any constructed, I have played a little bit. I played a couple of the the tabletop simulator events, and in one of them I played um, one of the leagues. I played the dash control deck or a version thereof, and um, I just found it really hard to be a defensive deck that had instance, and that's probably just because I just don't have enough experience with the game to, to understand how to sequence those things but some i'm i'm cautious of um playing decks that have a lot of cards like potions and instants that um that can't block but man there's, there's a lot of power in in uh in art of war and energy potion and things like that so oh, absolutely like let's be fair i've lost quite a lot of games due to having an energy potion in my hand or an art of war in my hand when any other card would have um, been able to block and win. But um, I've definitely won quite a hand more games by having them in play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your other question about my hopes for Flesh and Blood, um, I'm just... Um, well, I mean, one, I want to draft more because, as I said before, like, if people... I, I do want to say, like, if people have only played Constructed or, like, pref- you know have only played sealed because they had to because that was event and they haven't really drafted like draft man like <laughs> this game is the, the draft is so so good and i think also you you learn a lot about the value of cards that you wouldn't necessarily always think about as well because every single card that you draft is super playable. important yeah it's playable yeah, yeah. it's well, that that's the thing you can always play it i mean unless you've, it's a class card but um yeah you you, you it really helps. It helped. It helped me quite a lot to sort of jumpstart my understanding of the value of of block twos versus block threes, and you know what what classes want which color of which card. Um, yeah, I think, and it's. I mean, it's just yeah, it's super super fun. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited to draft more of Arcane Rising because I've only done it once. I really want to explore that format. I really want to draft Kano. Um, because that's just, yeah, it seems super hard, but super rewarding. And um, I just hope that, um, and I believe that, that, that it will, you know, that each new set is as good as these first two sets have been. Um, and because I'm so used to playing Magic, like, I understand how Magic releases sets, and we, we touched on it before about colors and things like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this game progresses through the sets with the heroes and things like that. Um, this Crucible of War set is um, really interesting. I, I'm, su- I'm really stuck on this um, 
this generic well what we what i think is a generic legendary hero um what do you what, what do you think do you, have you sort of had any thoughts about what you think that card is like is it just a, a feint are they tricking us or do you think it's a generic hero that can play all the cards like what do you think it is well like i'm just working off the same information everybody else has right like yes. from the looks of it it's a new border so i, I don't know, know like how to interpret that and it does look to have intellect and health so it does look like a hero but um uh, yeah i i don't think anything else from that is kind of like baseless speculation <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but maybe maybe there's some value in your baseless speculation. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's pretty cool. Like, um, Crucible War, like, just following up on your point, is, like, a totally different set structure based on the previous two. So to have them, Crucible War, be as good as the original two sets is going to be quite interesting. And what it yeah. does to change the game, because it's not a draftable set, Yes. It's going to be quite interesting. Like, it assuredly just has to shake everything up, right? Like, yeah. all of the problems that are, or concerns people have had of, like, uh, heroes are too one-dimensional, classes are too one-dimensional, mm. even though, like, uh, I, I disagree with that fact, but, like, the popular iterations of them are kind of one-dimensional. It's like, I'm playing Attack Reaction Warrior versus I'm playing Pre-Pump Warrior. Like, they're effectively the same deck, just with, like, a different um, support structure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Crucible should change that. I would hope Crucible changes that at least. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, to the point about, um, you know, uh, classes being taken at face value, I guess, and there's definitely, um, you know, there's not much content from the developers sort of leading you by the nose, which is quite cool because it means you've got to do all the learning yourself or, or the community has to do all the learning itself. Um, but I do think that... Um, myself included um people need to be looking for the clues a bit harder because there are the clues there like you know there's the overt ones like the ninja naming the cards you should play in your deck um and dash saying have more, more dash cards um and i think we'll see a lot of that in um in crucible of war and exactly to your point about the classes having you know on the face of it having one dimension well you know they they clearly don't but it can be hard to see that without you know there being another weapon for each class and this weapon clearly leads you in a different direction for a different strategy like i think that um while we you know could be seeing more uh, multi-dimensional classes uh decks for the classes i think we'll definitely see a lot more of that from crucible and not just because of the cards that are released but because it opens up the idea a bit more to people that oh actually i can be doing all these different things um and actually, I should be doing all these different things because there's so much value in that, bringing that to a tournament. Um, Especially if the popular precedent is something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Crucible, it's a, it's, it's a, I think it's a really cool idea because it means you get to, um, just even from a design standpoint, you get to keep the same um, heroes and sort of um, build on that without having to you know, put more four more heroes you know, you can shake up the format without having to put four more heroes out there, you know? Um, four yeah, new colors, even. like Four yeah. new colors. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's going to be really interesting to see so, how they've executed it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Well, I think we've um, exhausted all the... the, the uh, oh, the a Q&A new question here. just got submitted. 
Oh, did it? <laughs> yep. You're gonna close this stuff. You're gonna close this down. Who who's coming in late here? What unbelievable. You tell me. Okay, we've got Jake. And Jake has. Oh, what's that? Oh, this is a loaded question. This is a big one. Yeah. What's your take on Fendel's spring tunic impacting game and equipment diversity being the equipment to have if playing competitively? I believe in competitive play, six of eight heroes would need to have this expensive card. Second question is, in your opinion, why do Viserai, Kano, and Azalea seem to constantly have... I'm not sure... The low results, I think. Oh, the low results. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know skill plays a huge factor in this game, but can you provide what, if any, reasoning to, as to why this is happening? What a, what a perfect uh, question to finish on, I think, especially with Crucible of War being the topic. Mm. Um, even though I disagree that Tunic is um, required for competitive play, I think um, Hunt and Cross Trap in uh, a lot of classes, some Ninja or other aggro decks, and even um, Vessel of the First Fist is absurd. Like, it's actually energy potion on demand. It's, it's so good. If you look at the statistical analysis of games, uh, from my games at least, um, a tunic very rarely pops for three uh, resources over a game, so it's kind of like a worse hardened cross strap, like um, because like the two resources are like spread over two different turns. But obviously, granularity is like quite valuable in this game. But um, yeah, I don't think tunic is um, required. I think it's just like absurdly popular because it's just a legendary. Mm. Um, in regards the to rarity, yeah, 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 exactly. Like um, it's the big shiny thing in the sky and. Yeah, it is going to be well-versed and better than uh, Vest of the First Fist and stuff in like a typical um, top-down vanilla build like than other classes, but I think people need to experiment and find um, the usages for like the other equipment. Yeah. Like, um, Hard and cross strap, man. That's a card. Oh, man. That it's so good. It's, it's, it's energy potion just on demand. And, yeah. And um, Vest of the First Fist is like a consistent threat of energy potion. It's like... Oh, actually, I'm going to block this card. I'm not going to block because, like, if they get to vest, then their turn is, like, absolutely busted. Yeah. like um, It's like a common mask. Totally. Right? And, like, Head Jab is so powerful in Vest of First Fist if it wasn't already, like, threatening enough to um, get open the center. But, yeah. yeah. Um, in regards to his second question of Viserai, Kano, and Azalea have the low results, um, I think it's sample sizes again. Like, um tabletop simulator leagues were effectively the same 12 to 20 people playing the same decks for 12 weeks in a row so people are going to play what they're familiar with there so it's kind of biased i think um kano's the best um, class and hero by far so he's definitely had the class with the highest win percentage in my experience in my personal testing uh viscerai is also no joke um azalea the arrow version does struggle against defense reactions but Clearly, you can um, build um, a version of her that um, preys on that notion where people overload the defensive reactions and you have this combo build that just like one-shots people. Um, yeah, there are so many levels to this game and uh, we're barely scratching the surface as a community. And I'll just implore people to explore, um, test new ideas, lose with them just to learn because learning a lesson is better than um, playing the same thing as everybody else. Mm. Wise words from... Uh, from... Sasha, who uh, will have no more wise words. Uh, for the, well, you'll have different wise words. Wise words about... Um, curated wise gro- words. <laughs> curated wise words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we have to look forward to. Some, some curated wise words.
Thank you so much for doing this, Henry. It's actually been a pleasure talking to you, and um, I'm glad that you beat Jason in the Port Perfect. Yep, so am I. Um, felt good. So is the world, good. let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for answering all the all the community's questions, um, Sasha. I hope that uh, people got the answers they wanted. Um, and yeah. Too Just easy. My to pleasure. Next. Yep. Mine as well. Cool. Signing Sweet. off, this is Henry Moore. <laughs> oh this is the bit where i gotta say your name oh, Correct. Is, oh we'll cut this bit out we'll cut this bit out uh signing off this is sasha markovic excellent thank you I, I, okay <laughs>